0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mriva Gavaza, and for today we do get into uh, the economics of the week. It is a Friday, uh, which means we're just going to be touching on what's going on um, in and around, uh, you know, the the, the macroeconomic picture. Uh, but for today, you know, the micro microeconomic picture as it affects uh, the consumer. We've spoken quite a bit. About how hard pressed consumers are, and uh, for today we are going to be trying to 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 see, according to some new data that's come out from Momentum, um, you know, just around uh, a little bit around how they um, are seeing um, the health of consumers right now. That's according to their latest uh, Consumer Financial Vulnerability Index, uh, that is an in that is a report that is being published quarterly. Uh, by momentum together with the UNISA. So to make sense of it all for us and help us to understand the ins and outs of the index, we are joined by Johan Ventonda who is an economist and researcher over at Momentum. Johan, greetings to you this morning.
1: Okay and thank you. Nice talking to you.
0: Now, when it comes to the, the index, the CFVI, that is the Consumer Financial Vulnerability Index, um, maybe we could get some insight, uh, from yourself just around, um, I guess the components, um, you know, of the index, how often you, I have already mentioned the fact that you guys are publishing quarterly, uh, but just, you know, trying to maybe gauge from your from your point of view, how what it is that you guys are trying to measure, and uh, you know how you're actually going about uh, measuring it.
1: Yes, um, the index started way back in 2009, and ever since, publishing it every quarter, as you said. Now it's it differs from the normal type of consumer survey when you talk to consumers uh, in this. But what we do is we actually talk to everybody serving consumers. In other words, we get the views and opinions from banks, from insurers, from retailers, from researchers, from municipalities, everybody dealing with consumers because they've got a very, very good view from their finance, from their financials, their sales, um, etc about what's happening to the consumer. And so what we do is we normally ask like 12 questions. The 12 questions cover the four areas of consumer finances in other words income, their expenses, our savings as well as our debt. So then we measure the four com- subcomponents and then we get an overall score of what's been happening. Now good score would be above 60 points uh, a great score would be above 80 points so what we've been seeing uh, only in one quarter since 2009 it touched 60 points ever since it's been running around 40 points uh, up to 50 points uh, between 40 and 50. So if we look at the third quarter numbers, as you asked, um, if I can use an analogy, it's improved. That's the good news. It's improved. It's now yeah. 50.9 points. It's up from 49.3. But it's like if you write a test and you score 30%, you just passed. Now you've improved to 31% um that's basically what it is uh, going up from 49 to 50 points you're still not doing great it's a little bit better than the 30 percent but really you are in in a very very vulnerable space still well now not as vulnerable but still very vulnerable so that's basically what happened in the third quarter
0: it is an interesting way of uh measuring what's going on you know with with consumers uh some of the indices and reports that we cover on this platform uh tend to do with consumer sentiment they tend to do with um you know the surveys that you alluded to um earlier on but i, I, I guess this one is a is a, is, a, is a is a is an interesting approach simply because you are looking especially at the people that are either servicing um you know those consumers or the consumer facing businesses um you know whose whose health is sort of tied um you know sort of uh, what's the word that we're looking for um Symbiotically, I think that's the word yeah. that, that, they are, that I'm looking for, that there's almost a symbiosis between consumer health and the health of a consumer facing business, because if consumers are spending less, you know, then certain businesses are just not doing as well. Um, So that seems to be, you know, quite an interesting way of, um, you know, explaining what was there. And I did note from, uh, you know, the report that you guys did send out that um, two of the measures, um, you know, have gone up. Um, And they went up, you know, just enough, you know, for it to be higher than, you know, what we saw at the same time last year. So I guess that explains, you know, for us the that improvement that you said, you know, it's like going from 30 to 31 percent, you know, type of thing. Vulnerability then. Where are consumers most vulnerable? Because I think anyone listening to this is going to say, but Johan, I'm just I'm just vulnerable, you know, through and through. But from the data, where are the actual pain points?
1: Yes, uh, you're quite right. And with the four uh, sub-indices, in all four sub-indices, they are still vulnerable. Two increased above 50 points, that's income and expenses. Um, now, as I said, it's not even close to 60 and to get to 60 is very, very hard. Uh, it's not easy. It's gonna take like almost a miracle to get to 60. But the thing is, in those two, it improved. And I'll explain the domino effect right now. On the income side, what's happened was a lot of the uh, consumers or received salary increases. So they had a little bit more to spend in the third quarter. Also what's happened is another source of income, a big source of income in South Africa is actually transfers from family and friends uh, to other other relatives and so forth. So because of salary increases and so forth that was received by uh, family and friends, they were able to make and continue the transfers to other people. It's improved a little bit because of that, and also a little bit more of job creation. So that's the one. And because of the higher income, you now have money to spend a little bit more. And what it means is you can now try and stop a gap that existed or repay a little bit more debt or maybe... Uh, save a little bit more. So we're going to get to that, to what the consumers actually did. And I must here just quickly mention, if you go through all the quarters, consumers act differently every quarter. They never, they never ever act in the same way because every quarter needs, uh, there's changes, there's different needs at different inflation rates, different interest rates, etc. So what we've seen here now Consumers on the spending side, even though the income was a little bit more, they've reined in their spending even more. And we saw that beginning as uh, about a year ago. They started to spend less because simply they didn't have money. We all were struggling uh, because of higher inflation rates, fuel prices, food prices, and and so forth. So, but the interesting thing is consumers, we've reined in our expenses now to the extent where our income can almost cover all our expenses. And that's why the expenditure index improved because you, you were, we were now better able to afford the expenses given that our income or the amount of income we had. And as a result of that, uh, there was an improvement in savings, but not for long-term savings. In other words, not for retirement savings. It's actually for emergency savings. So what we saw is like, there's a little bit left after every month. And when I say a little bit left, I'm generalizing here. I'm not saying all consumers, I'm just talking in general. And also on debt servicing, we saw a little bit less vulnerability, still very vulnerable, but not as vulnerable. So it all started with the income and it had that domino effect right through to expenditure uh, and saving and debt servicing. But again, as I say, it's an improvement and should be we should be grateful for those where there was an improvement, but it's still very tight at this point.
0: No, certainly very tight, Johan. And um I think it's it it is good for us to just be honest about the situation to say that um, you know, someone could look at this and say at least there's some improvement, but uh, the situation at the end of the day is still very bad uh, for a lot of uh, ordinary South Africans. You know, on a day, on a day, day by day basis. Uh, one of the things that I did note, um, you know, just going through um, some of the writing that you guys published is the fact that when it comes to worries and concerns. Um, Obviously, there's uh, the financial factors. Um, Inflation is something that people have been um, crying about uh, for the better part of two, maybe three years now. And what I find most interesting about the inflation situation is the fact that, um, similar to COVID, this is one of the few times in modern history where People are fla- uh, facing price increases across the board and across the world. You can't really talk about any part of the world that ha- that is not feeling pricing pressure right now. Whether you are talking the U.S., Australia, you know, Africa, Europe, people are all facing pricing pressure in one form or another. Uh, but what I found most interesting about the report is the fact that it seems that consumers are, you know, quite, you know, worried more about political instability and, uh, you know, corruption. You know, maybe you could talk to us about what what's actually going on there, because you'd naturally think that inflation and um, higher food and input prices would be the thing that is worrying our consumers the most.
1: Yes, uh, it's a very interesting thing. Um what we should remember uh political uncertainty and corruption is if i can use it in one term it's also a cause of inflation so whether there's uh, a not well-run company or whatever you might cause and whether there's uh, inflation or uh, if there's corruption as well as uncertainty, normally what it does, it drives up prices. So it's a cause of inflation as well. So if, if we look at all the risk factors, what we've seen is the increases in food prices, increases in fuel prices were mentioned all along as uh, very high risk factors to consumers becoming financially vulnerable and now another cause of inflation in other words the uh, corruption and the uncertainty is also entered the fray of being a very high risk factor also keeping inflation um high now this is more a structural sort of Inflation factor, if I can put it that way, uh, the the fuel prices and so forth. We know many times it's cyclical, it's geopolitical, and so forth. But here it's something, and the more we get rid of it, uh, then we can reduce structural inflation, if I can put it that way. So, in other words, uh, price increases will then be sort of lower uh, than it could be so the corruption and um uncertainty highlighted by the key informants speaks to inflation as well so that, that's the main reason for highlighting that as coming through as a very high risk factor to consumers finances um in the third quarter
0: yeah no it's quite a, it's quite a tough situation to be in and i i'll be I'll be honest what you've just articulated makes perfect sense, but I've actually just never heard it being put like that before to say um political uncertainty uh can lead to uh what you call this can lead to inflation, but you know you then apply your mind to it, and it makes perfect sense, you know, which is why um your private sector tends to keep you know such a close eye. On uh, you know some of those uh, some of those issues, Um, you know when you are thinking about it, uh, yeah, when you're thinking about it from that point of view. And then I think the other one is the fact that um, so much of what happens in an economy is driven by confidence, and if there's a lot of uh, uncertainty, I guess that works to diminish um that confidence that your 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 market players outside of your general consumers but just in in, in that your consumers uh, or your market players tend to tend to actually have so maybe what we can do now then Johan as we are is to maybe look at uh, your outlook um you know this is the time of the year where we in the last quarter this is the time of the year when people are now looking back At uh, the full year and actually then rounding things up uh, to say, yeah, just rounding things up to say, you know, where do we stand? How was the year? And, you know, where do we, how do we look to? Um the upcoming year, so maybe before we get your sense of you know what twenty twenty four might look like uh maybe just your take on how twenty twenty three not just as a, as a third quarter but rather as a full year how you how 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 has it actually been
1: yes, i think very important before we start with how twenty twenty three has been uh we have to go back to twenty twenty two and by far the toughest quarter for consumers um, was the third quarter of 2022. Because you'll remember what happened in 2022, third quarter. Inflation spiked. It was the highest inflation rate that we measured is the third quarter. And also in that same quarter, um, interest rates went up the most in a specific quarter. So that's sort of, if I can put it that way, that's the quarter that I won't say broke consumers back, but that's the quarter which really, really made consumers much more vulnerable, the higher prices as well as the higher interest rates. And they are especially the poorer part of the, um, of consumers. Because remember, even though inflation hurts them the most, Higher interest rates also hurts them the most. It's um, because proportionally they would pay more towards debt. And what we do know is there's been a lot of inequality in South Africa. So it's the biggest portion of the country that's been hit hardest by higher interest rates and inflation in the third quarter. So it was really bad, and on top of that, we had, like, cloud shedding, water supply problems, and so forth. Now, then, against that background, let's look at what happened then in 2023. Uh, So 2023 continued on that sort of uh, not very promising uh, note. But gradually through the years, things started to improve. Inflation started to come down. Um, or the and and the, by that I mean the rate at which prices increase slowed down, and the rate at which interest rates increased also slowed down. So, um, in the third quarter, for instance, uh, there was no rate increases, interest rate increases, and the inflation rate was like five percent only. I say only; it's still high. Compared to seven eight percent, so the degree of pain that started in the beginning of twenty twenty three it gradually reduced um thankfully, because if it continued at that same rate, we would have been in a very, very much worse position. So that's 2023. It started off really bad, but it got gradually better. And if we can continue with what we saw on load shedding um, in October, if we can continue that trend in the the supply of electricity increased um, and the demand sort of decreased, which means the shortage of electricity is much smaller than it used to be like, for instance, the beginning of the year. So we can continue in this vein. Things should look much better in 2024 compared to now, but much better doesn't mean good. I mean, good is totally different from uh, like 30% to 31%. You need to go to 60% if you wanna be good from 30%. And we're not going to be there yet um, next year, but at least things look, it looks a, m- a lot more promising uh, than at the beginning of this year. Can't put it that way, because by next year we would have been through most of the high inflation, we would be through most of the high increases in interest rates and it would seem as if our electricity situation is improving so those three things and then obviously most of our pain is coming from abroad i mean if you just look at the continual continued war between russia and ukraine um and then that driving up international food prices and it caused a risk all over the world, and we know when that risk increases, the rand weakens. And now recently also what happened was uh, we had the conflict in the Middle East. So again, that caused uncertainty and risk, which meant the rant um, also depreciated. So these type of risk factors Actually, we we hope it disappears soon, because the quicker that happens, the better for us. And also, international interest rates would then have peaked by the end of the year, we hope. If that happened, then we would see a better stable or a more stable RAND exchange rate, lower inflation. Um, Interest rate's not going to go higher if that happens. So we have to look at it from that point of view that we're going to find some sort of a solution for these conflicts soon. Uh, Because if that happens, uh, us as South Africans will benefit a lot. And then the other thing is logistics. There's already plans to improve the rail and the roads and so forth. So let's hope that comes through soon because if that can happen then exports can increase job creation will as a result increase as well if there's less load shedding job creation could increase even further which makes me a, a much more comfortable with next year compared to this year and 2022 um so in short, that's oh, it's not in short, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to 2024 being a much better year than 2023.
0: Yeah, we all hope that uh, 2024 will be better than uh, this year. Um, you know, as you were talking about uh, load shedding, I actually pulled out uh, my phone so that I could. Uh, There's a notification I got, uh, I think, earlier today. And I'm now looking at it probably. It just passed my mind and I was like, ah, okay. So when you mentioned the point about load shedding, I actually went to the ESCOM app that's ESP. And they actually had like a notification that says that there's no load shedding this weekend, uh, which is going to be making it 10 days straight um, without, you know, load shedding. And I never thought... I would see the day when we would be celebrating 10 days, you know, without uh, without load shedding. Because once upon a time, even having 10 days of load shedding sounded absolutely, you know, ridiculous. But, you know, things have gotten so bad that now you celebrate 10 days, you know, without uh, load shedding. And I guess that um, speaks to um the type of impact and effect that a uh, factor such as load shedding has on consumer confidence on businesses and everything else and i guess it's also symptomatic of uh, you know what else is going on in the economy if that thing remains high and elevated then it's likely that certain input prices are going to be you know affected the convenience uh the the inflation that's been caused by load shedding as people try to mitigate buying alternative power solutions, you know, um, buying more fast food by, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot to, it's a lot to deal with. Before I let you go, Johan, this one is just uh, it's an observation that I've made. It's a little bit anecdotal, uh, but I wanted to maybe run it by yourself as a professional to see whether there's an actual cause of concern or whether I'm thinking too deeply about this. Um, as a, as a, you know what would be considered a, a young professional um you know um in the country i've noted that uh, many uh, of my compatriots and age mates because of all the uncertainty that we've spoken about today are looking elsewhere um you know to 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 perhaps set up in other parts of the world um you know the uk canada and australia um are some of the places that people are considering going to or places that people have already um you know emigrated to? how much of a concern is this you know if at all?
1: Well, the thing is if you look at the statistics um the big issue is the skills that we're losing um because high skills create jobs. The more people that emigrate with high skills, the lower the chances of creating more jobs. And we have a massive um, unemployment problem in South Africa. So it definitely is a concern because we're losing um, not just the highly skilled person, we're also then losing the jobs that highly skilled person would have created going forward and also the solutions that highly skilled person uh, could have come up with for a challenge in this country, because we are known for uh, finding very creative solutions to our problems. Um, So it's not just, as I say, the person's leaving, but then I must add, it's not just the South African factor. It's uh, happening all over the world. Youth unemployment is a big issue all over the world and everybody's sort of uh, looking elsewhere, not just in their own countries for better opportunities. But uh, what makes us unique is that we don't have a lot of high-skilled um, people. So losing them increases the scarcity of, of them and therefore we should actually try and convince them not to go because if we do that we we retain them and we retain future jobs they would have created so that's actually the the issue um in south africa is a scarcity of high skills and we can really not afford to lose those people Uh, whether they're the youth or whether they're middle-aged or even experienced. Uh, we learn from each other the transfer of skills from the more experienced to the middle-aged, to the youth. And because experience you only get from, by getting older, unfortunately, and by learning from the elder. And that's why we also need um, those people.
0: So that's where we end off, um, you know, um, a little bit on a on a a somber note, um, just around the state uh, of the country, the state of the South African economy, and the types of behaviors that uh, you know that are resultant um, because of some of the uncertainty, uh, because we were looking um, at uh, momentum and uh, Unisa's Consumer Financial Vulnerability Index uh, for the third quarter of 2023, Uh, Johan just. Uh, running us through the numbers to say that for this uh for the third quarter um you know the country you know looks to have been in a better place compared to uh the previous quarter that that's the second quarter of uh 2023 but also in a better place compared to uh the, the third quarter same time last year however he does um, say that at uh, 50 point, uh, 50.9, which is where the index sits in uh, the third quarter, it is n- nearly not, um, you know, in a good place. Um, according to their index, a good score sits at around 60. And then a great score, he said, sits at um, uh, from 80 onwards. But South Africa has been uh, scoring in the 40 uh, to 50 range, you know, for a number of uh, consecutive quarters now Um, and so he does say that things have uh, improved uh, but I think this is the one time where it's quite apt to say that things have improved marginally Um, it's not uh, anything great uh, but there is uh, some movement in a positive direction some of the huge uh, factors that are are affecting consumers uh, tend to be obviously he said that Um, you know, some of the incomes have gone up, which has helped to, you know, push that metric up. It's helped to manage a little, some uh, level of expenses, you know, which drove the overall index uh, marginally higher. But issues such as inflation, issues issues such as political uncertainty um, are still, you know, hampering the economy as a whole and hampering sentiment uh, amongst consumers. We spent quite a bit of time talking about load shedding and the effect that something like that has, um, the, the 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 impact of um, political uncertainty, and then, you know, the fact that we do see some people now choosing uh, to leave South Africa and what that actually means going forward. Lastly, he does say that, um, you know, a little bit more comfortable about where we're going in 2024 because there has been um, move, um, improvements that have been seen from 2022 into 2023 and you know just hoping uh, that uh, in 2024 as you know we are coming down i'm hoping that finally will be because i remember same time last year we had been saying that we were hoping that we would be on the decline when it came to interest rates. We had hoped that you know in late 2023 we would have plateaued in terms of interest rates and that we would start to see the dip uh, but we hope that that's actually going to materialize in 2024. So that's been it we were chatting to Johan Ventonda who is an economist and researcher over at Momentum Johan, thank you so much for being with us today. It
1: was a big pleasure, thank you.
0: And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live that's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter with hashtag Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on IONO.FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Costs, wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Muriwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from my And the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.